Welcome to Both Down, episode 83, the number one Blood Bowl podcast. In the White House. But no. Why? What? Look, Blood Bowl is like a vile game, and it's a parody, and it's funny, and it's violent, and it can be corrupt. They did just release the Nurgle. Field. So. And they released Nurgle, and I thought, what better place that I'm sure there's people who play Blood Bowl in the White House of America. Man, I it, mean, couldn't you see Donald Trump no, as like a Nurgle Rodder guy? Well, yes, but... Or overbearing coach who's like, no, that's fake news. We did not I, lose the game two to nothing. I don't even like glorifying, or not glorifying, edifying, or whatever. I don't Just even... Just giving him acknowledgement that yes, he exists? I don't like even acknowledging he exists. Uh, I'm sorry. If we all are. <laughs> Anyways, from the quasi-political beginning, um, this is Steve, a.k.a. Kalawagi. And I am Scott Prime. And we're coming to you from the new Ginger Dome. Um, we so had one entry for the contest of what to name this place. I said the Ginger Dome. No, it was the dugout. The dugout? Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, it's a baseball thing. I like baseball, so, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. But, eh, I don't know. The dugout. That's not terrible, though. Yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah. Uh, okay. James Martin came in and mentioned that to us. So, thank you, James. So, Steve, what's been going on? Um, lately, Blood Bowl wise, oh, we um, Michael Lewis came down and Scott Hess came over last weekend. Okay. And we got some games in for the World Cup, tested out our rosters. And what was the conclusion? So here's the interesting thing. We don't practice. Like, not at all. We never have for any tournament. Never. It's just not something we do. We don't do one-off games just to try to better ourselves or anything. No. Nope. So Michael and I sat down. We played the game. And as we played, we went back and forth talking about, well, you know, I'm doing this because of this. And, you know, you could do this because of that. And what if we did this? You know, maybe this would work better. It was actually kind of fun. Surprisingly, it was fun. Hmm. Again, this is probably old news to most of the people listening, but since we've never really done that before, it was not as boring as I expected it to be. I enjoyed it. So if you think you did it over a series of five to ten games, would you have got tired of it? Probably. It probably depends. Here's why I've never wanted to play test before going to, let's say, um, a Chaos tournament. Cup. Chaos, okay, let's say yeah. Chaos Cup, or even Three Die Brawl, sure. or just a tournament that's going to garner 20-plus people. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like the mentality of, I could beat Steve in the practice game, and then we play another game, he whoops my butt when it counts. Yeah. Or vice versa. But if you played enough games, that would even out. I know, but my brain can't get past that part. Well, I, so, like, when we played... Um, I was playing elves, he was playing chaos, and the ball went into... I kicked. Mm -hmm. I, I got to choose to receive. Is he thinking about playing chaos at World Cup? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, I got to choose whether to kick or receive, and I know the better choice is always to kick, so I decided, get into the habit now, I went ahead and kicked. The ball went into the end zone. And Jordell just came up along the sidelines and did his thing. And I was able to score on defense in two turns. I also got one of my blitzers killed because he just did a blitz on his turn one. 
and hit my blitzer who I had on the side because I was protecting. You know how you set up and you have people in the wide zones? Sure. I learned there's really no reason to do that. Protect your good people. Put your put it to where the only person they can hit is your lineman. And if they die, who cares? But I had to play a whole game without my blitzer, which is just horrible. Right. So I learned that. Um, I learned you know, some positioning stuff. Um, the idea of moving kick onto my skills because... With my team, with the speed and agility and Jordell, if I have kick and I can put the ball in their backfield, it gives me a much better chance of scoring. Because hmm. if they mess up one time, I'm right on top of them. That's true. They go back, try yeah. to pick it up, they drop it. And he was playing the build that we suggested on the World Cup podcast about um, um, using bile rot vomit flesh. Hmm. So you have two five strength people. Okay. Not so great. Gotcha. So, quite the opening here. It, it was very interesting. This could have well, been you, a segment about playtesting. Okay. I know. I, I know I asked. I'm just saying, like, now that I'm getting yeah. into it with you, I was like, man, we should say this for a segment. Because realistically, don't, yeah. We don't playtest. No. And we never have for, I think, some of the reasoning that we talked about. And just like. It always felt boring. Mm hmm. But when you don't, it's not just you playing against the other person. It's you talking with the other person and talking about how to play and talking with strat. So welcome to almost 100 episodes where Scott and Steve discover strategy. <laughs> it's it, we've done nine. This is the 99th episode, from what we can tell. Yeah, unofficially, uh, if you take all the specials and stuff. So we're almost to 100, and we're just now going to talk about some strategy. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> in the opening segment, where it's it's just the intro, not even a segment in itself. Yeah. But, we're special. Well, that's cool that y'all are playtesting some. Yeah. And seeing how things work out. And we also, you turned that also into like a game day at your house, which yeah. is kind of neat. And I got to partake in some of that. Mm -hmm. We had, what, seven, eight people over? Uh, periodically, I think yeah. you did. I was only here for a short amount of time. I was here for a segment where we played the Firefly Adventures mm -hmm. miniatures game, which was very interesting. Yeah, it was. If you're probably a fan of Firefly, you probably want to go buy it. If you're not a fan of Firefly, I would say it's not for you. Yeah. If if everything was reskinned as G.I. Joe the board game, I would have bought that in a second in every expansion. That was the most frustrating thing that you've said in a long time because it makes me want to have a G.I. Joe game like that. Seriously, think yeah. of the time, and no. like you had Roadblock, and I had Bazooka, and yeah. he was Falcon, and all this stuff, and I was just like... And you could choose from 190,000 G.I. Joe countless characters. Countless expansions that were used yeah. by different characters, yeah. Anyways, it was a really cool game, so if you are a Firefly fan, and you like you know miniatures, mm -hmm. and like going on missions and stuff, I thought it was a really cool co-op type game, with the time mechanic and everything. Right. No, it was a lot of fun. So there was that, and then what else did y'all play? Y'all played uh, rocket ships and ray guns. Never played that. That was in that. I liked it. It was really odd. It's fun because you got to control ships on the board, and then people on your ship, and then you can board other ships and stuff. It's really neat. That's neat. Me and Michael dabbled in the new Transformers. Transformer car collectible card game that's coming out. We played with two starters. I'm going to reserve judgment until more stuff comes out. Michael seemed to like it a lot. I would say it's not a game for me. Okay. But I really like the artwork 
on the cards. I hated the artwork on the back of the cards. Yeah. But when you play with two starters, we have exactly the same strategies. Yeah, that hurts. So that hurts it. So I'll see, being the guru who wants to try to play every freaking game ever created. You got, uh, um, since Michael went to Gen Con, you were able to pick up your SRG stuff. I did. I got Super Show. Jennifer has now got her SRG character and um, JK Brawling, the Mistress of Mayhem, or Mom for short. Um, she will actually get to play her character today when we run a Super Show tournament at the shop. Awesome. So I hope she fares well. I hope her character yeah. doesn't crap the bed. That would suck. <laughs> but either way, she's trying some different things. She made up an actual deck, and that was funny. Just watching. Not really funny. It was just kind of cool to see her look right. at strategy and stuff for cards and everything. So that's all well and good. And um, what else? Um, they just showed today, as we record, Nurgle is the next release. Right. They released pictures for Nurgle. And they look, look very Nurgly. I like them. I heard all the people saying this is what we got. So I don't know what they expected, but I don't, I don't play other Warhammer games, so maybe I'm not familiar with other cool Nurgle things that are better. So I think, if you haven't seen it, you're just going to have to go look for yourself because we can't show pictures on the podcast that hasn't been worked out yet. We could do it on YouTube. It's not going to happen. Um, however, the team looks really cool. I like the Warriors. I like... I'm not completely sold on the Pestigors, but I like that they took a chance with it and went a different direction. Than just Beastmen with yes. sores? I agree with that. So now, we'll see. I really think if you buy a box of Nurgle and a box of Chaos, you can make an amazing team. Oh, you could like craft them. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I heard somebody else talking about that. So I heard, I read somebody yeah. else talking about that. So. so it'll be interesting to see. I think it's cool that we're finally getting a Nurgle team, though. Yeah. So you can't bitch and moan, and that means we're going to get Nurgle dice. Which we don't really need, but I'll buy them. And we'll probably get a team pack of Nurgle. Yep. And we're going to get a Nurgle field, Pitch. which will be cool. It was interesting, too, because researching a segment that we'll have, I believe, on the next podcast. Um, it was going to be on this one, but this one kind of went a little bit long with something extra special coming up. Um, I was reading the 2003 handbook. Or mm -hmm. yearbook? What is mm -hmm. it? it was, I think it was yearbook. And it was talking about the... It's 2003 annual. Okay. Blood Bowl annual. Right. It was talking about all the experimental rules and the stuff that was going on at the time. And it was talking about Nurgle. And it had an article from Jervis Johnson talking about the creation of Nurgle and how they liked the warriors. And at the time, I think it was just Rodgers and Eastman. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. I didn't read the whole thing, but... I, it was pretty neat to see the origins of the team mm -hmm. and all that. I agree with you. I mean, it, that's another thing. If you don't have that book, I think I think that's a, like, if you're a Blood Bowl person that likes fluff and stuff, I think those old manuals are still worthwhile yeah. hunting down. And it's really interesting, too, because it talks about It's the, funny you did not read that before until, or did you read it before and forgot about it? I'm sure I have. Okay. At some point, I probably went through all these, although, honestly, I probably, I may not have. Right. Because when I first picked up a lot of this stuff, I mean, I've had it for many years. The rules were changing, so I didn't bother. Well, confuse yourself. Yeah. yeah. I totally And I was get just that. getting into the game. But now that I'm comfortable with the game, I can actually read the old stuff. Sure. Because it's talking about Vampire Lord and all that stuff. So we know Nurgle's next. If we could yes. just 
theorize, what do you think the team after that will be? Because that's always fun to do. After that? Don't you think we're eventually going to have to get like halflings or something? Yeah, Yeah. a stunty team of some kind because we have goblins. Yeah, and we have ogre, sort of. And we have have the ogre and the halfling. I would like to see them do more ogres. More ogres? Just like standalone ogres. Like maybe two of them standing on one foot? Yes. (laughs) They should all just have one on a hand. One on a hand? Oh my gosh, that's that's still my biggest complaint. We have a Nurgle warrior who's on one foot, but it's only one that I, I, I that I recall. So I'm not going to complain too much because it could be seven of them. Yeah, they really want these in action poses really I, bad. I like them. I think they make them look dynamic. They do make. Them I look understand dynamic. your complaint about it. I know. I think it's just the old guy in me, and everybody's just going to go. You're old. Also. I just received yesterday the new Blitz Bowl. And we will talk about that on the next episode, won't we? Yeah. Because we're going to play it. So we're going to do this episode, and then we're going to have another episode right before we take off for Chaos Cup. That way you can listen to it on the way to Chaos Cup. Right. So probably have it in a couple weeks or so. Right. So should we talk about what we're going to talk about today? Uh, Nothing special today, right? Um, Let's see. We're going to talk... In the second segment, we're only going to do two segments today because yeah. we don't have much to talk about. We second should, segment, we should go ahead and do the the good one first. Okay, so in the second segment, we're going to talk about Blood Bowl Death Zones, talk the about new Death game Zone. on Steam. And then um, we went ahead and we dug up this guy, who's, which there's you know I have I have giveaways for the key. Well, we'll talk about. Okay, that. I'm just saying there is a giveaway on the Death Zone stuff. Oh, I forgot to look up. If anybody posted, we'll get to that later. That's fine. Um, so in our first segment, we are very honored and thrilled and I'm like bubbling with joy. We have an interview with the, one, the famous, the only, the one and only Mr. Blood Bowl himself, who is the father of the role playing part of Blood Bowl and the visuals, Pete Nifton. Yeah. If and I think I say it a couple of times there, but if he did not have that art. There's a good chance we did not play this game. We do not For have this sure. podcast. We bought quite a few games, and the art of his drawings kept bringing us back and bringing us back and bringing us back. And I, it's such an honor to finally get to. I mean, me and you, I've been friends with him three or four years now through Facebook. Has it been that long? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, you've been friends with yeah. him for a while. I've had many private conversations with him. Um, uh, I've got him to send you belatedly a Christmas present. Yep, for uh, some original art. Yeah, he sent me that. Uh, we've sent him comic books and stuff. We've actually, yeah, become friends with this guy through Facebook, and it was like crazy because I I think of him as like somebody who would never talk to us, and we're just dudes on the internet. But he's just a dude too. Everybody is just everybody, <laughs> and it's really cool to finally get him on the podcast after so long. Our schedules worked out, and we—it's quite an extensive interview. Um, Went a little bit longer than what we probably expected, but that's but why we're going to only have two segments here. We're just going to play it all. We talk about his past, his artwork, his beginnings, his—you know—everything from beginning to end. His it influences. Was, it was just too good to cut any of it. I so. agree. So uh, we hope you enjoy the next segment with Pete Nifton, and then after that, we will be back with some Death Zone, and then of course shoutouts. 
Both Down is brought to you by Wizards Asylum, your premier source for comics and games in Norman, Oklahoma. Check them out online at wizardsnorman.com. All right, everybody, we are here with a special guest, a very special guest to me because, um, I don't know, I'm going to say that he's one of my uh, artistic heroes uh, growing up as a little boy and into a man. We have the infamous, I guess you could say, or famous, Pete Nifton. Pete, welcome to the show. That's great to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. Pete, I don't know where to begin. Um, Steve's over here to my side. Steve, say hi. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Why wouldn't I be here? I know, but we had to act like we didn't like practice this oh, before okay. we started this, Steve. So you sure. got to just play along. I'm playing along. Yes. Uh, all right, <laughs> Pete. Um, you are. We brought you here on the podcast because we are obviously a Blood Bowl podcast that talks not really about strategy at all. Because me and Steve suck at it. Yeah. Um, we're okay every now and then. That you know we we're want- fine, but we don't try to do better at strategy. <laughs> we care about the fluff, and honestly. 90% of why I'm into this game is your art. Because when I first saw the rules, the art got me into the world and the story and just made me fall in love with the game and that whole universe. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I'm incredibly flattered to hear that. Um, to be honest, you're not the first person that has said it, though. And I find it all a bit humbling, to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, I always tell people when they ask about Blood Bowl, I tell them like the basics. Like it's like Lord of the Rings meets rugby or soccer. Yeah. And I said, but, you know, it's a sports role playing game. And that's what on our podcast, that's what we promote. We we actually hate going to tournaments and playing teams that don't have like a cool Blood Bowl sounding name or players named. I mean, to me, that's all Blood Bowl, you know. I don't know if you were part of the process of creating like characters, like the names and stuff, but that's the stuff we love. And the fact that your guys can level up and gain skills all to me always has had a sports role playing campaign feel. And even as kids, we used to do uh blood white, I guess it was Bloodweiser illustrated comics and stuff. Like after we played a game, we would do like a scene from our game because we were so influenced by that second edition art that you did. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to say, um, I'm more or less convinced that I came up with Bloodweiser. I know I came up with Orchidas, the, sh- the, the shoes. Um, that's, that's great. Uh, I'm actually doing some work at the moment and uh, uh, I'm coming up with all these ridiculous puns and whatever for, you know, various products like taco hell i've got a character called the terminator um and if you know what fantasy race likes eating you'll know what he might look like um right so before we jump all full-fledged into blood bowl can we like go back to the beginnings when you were a, a young young man walking the streets of england um yeah sure what got you i mean have you always been I mean, I, I remember from a young age, I just was drawn to drawing characters and doing art. So, like, if somebody said, where did it begin? I would say from the very beginning. Yes, yeah, same here. Uh, where did it begin for Pete Nifton? Uh, it began for me, um, I think it was my mother used to, like, uh, d- 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 doing the odd drawing. Um, 
And because of that, I used to buy the Dandy and the Beano, two very old traditional British comics. And uh, because at the time in England, there was no Marvel or DC available uh, that we knew of. Um, so could you give us a, a, a rough year about that, just so people have like a reference? Oh, 1962. Uh, okay. I would been about four years old. And what happened shortly after is we got a TV series called Supercar made by Jerry Anderson. Um, which kickstarted my interest in science fiction, and uh, that was then. It was followed by Fireball XR Five and Stingray and Thunderbirds, all that kind of stuff. Oh, I loved Thunderbirds as a kid. They all had supporting comic strips, which I thought were absolutely astonishing. Uh, I still think that some of the Thunderbird stuff drawn by Frank Bellamy is the finest artwork that we've ever produced in Britain in a comic. And then walking down the street one day. Uh, saw these strange American comics start to appear. And uh, I was instantly seduced. It was, you know, the beginning of a lifelong love affair, really. Um, I think the first comic I ever bought was, I think it might have been a Hawkman, to tell you the truth. Um, then we got the Batman TV show come on TV and there was a whole flood of merchandise. And um, Who's your favourite Catwoman? Oh, uh, the, the, the Julie Newmar. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, if nobody says that right off the bat, I, I worry about them. I like Eartha Kitt. Uh, uh, look, I like them all. I'm a I'm a man. <laughs> no. But, but, I mean, if you had to rank them, like Julie Newmar, oh, she's so delicious. I think she's probably the most attractive, but my favorite is Eartha Kitt. Okay. It always will be. Okay, fair enough. And no one's mentioned Halle Berry, which is a shame. No, that's <laughs> not going to happen. So. <laughs> As much as I love comic books and comic book movies, I've never seen that. I've seen like 15 minutes of it, and that was all I needed to see. I like to act like that didn't exist. Uh, Most people do. I could only describe it as car crash cinema. <laughs> it is dreadful. Yeah. dreadful. yeah, so anyway, um, uh, I started to draw on myself. Um, you know, uh, my first ever ambition was to be a political cartoonist um and then i realized i didn't know enough about politics to actually do that because i was about nine <laughs> or something like that but i was very good at caricatures i always always liked doing caricatures and um i met a guy at school uh, called alan and we decided that we'd just draw superhero comics from now on so that, that's what we did for many many years we cranked out these you know, fanzine type type things um all slavishly imitative of uh, things like the avengers and the inhumans so what were some of your character names oh god we had the barracuda uh the wraith uh there was a guy that was a bit like iron man called ned kelly after the australian outlaw uh, <laughs> uh one guy called the albatross who was your average winged fella um uh, there was Nova Man was my favourite, which was done many years before Marvel did their Nova kind of character. Right. Um, those, those characters sound much more interesting than my first couple were like Super Cow. It was nothing <laughs> like, it was not like Superman as a cow. It was more like this guy with gadgets. So he's more like Batman and he didn't really even look like a cow. He just had a hat with horns <laughs> on it. 
And then like he, he had a, eventually a friend named Mr. Mystery, which I thought was like the coolest thing ever. But yeah, not as cool as like the Albatross and Nova Man. Well, um, I've still got quite a lot of the original artwork for that. Um, oh, dude, you have to start showing some of that. What would you? Well, I mean, it was. I, I mean, I drew it when I was about eleven or something like that. <laughs> no, no, actually, don't don't even show that. We'll, we'll talk about a side project after we're done talking here. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, uh, I left school with no clear idea of what I wanted to do. So, as per usual, you take a. A kind of succession of um, crap jobs, and uh, I got talking to a very good friend of mine called Ian, who suggested that I send some of my paintings down to an agent in London, um, an agency called Young Artists, and they took me on, and uh, I did quite a few unmemorable science fiction book covers over the course of the years. Um, and uh, um, the big thing at that time was Star Wars and, and, and Empire Strikes Back. There was a huge appetite for science fiction covers. Uh, so I was cranking out these big kind of Chris Foss-style spaceships as fast as I could, not getting paid a vast amount of money for them, but I was a newbie, and you know you have to learn your trade, don't you? Uh, yeah, and making a living, you can't really complain. No, and um, all of a sudden, I lost interest. Um, I went to work in the theatre as a um, scenic artist, and uh, I did that for what seven, seven or eight years. And hmm. then, who should turn up again but Ian uh, with a copy of White Dwarf? And he says, "Why don't you go over the road and see John Blanche?" And uh, so I did, and that was that was the start of me at Games Workshop. Um, it's all down to Ian, you know. Um, and we were very lucky as well because when we say over the road, I mean Games Workshop was literally over the road um, in Enfield Chambers, and um, that was that was a fantastic working environment. That was. I mean, I was never actually full-time employed by the studio, but I spent more time there than some of the staff members did. So you remember your first project there? First project for Games Workshop, were, yeah, it was, I can't remember which, which issue of White Dwarf it was, but it was a drawing of a um, a knight um, in armour. Um, I think it was like a quarter-page illustration. Um, and then the big thing at the time was um, uh, 40k was just starting up Rogue Trader mm-hmm. and uh, there was so little known about 40k at the time that we were all all really kind of encouraged to make stuff up and um, um, the initial vision of Space Marines was more like Starship Troopers and Aliens than, than anything else and um, it was a very gradual kind of change into the kind of Latin-speaking Gothic Empire type stuff. Um, so I did quite a bit of work for 40K and um, a lot of things for um, Hero Quest, um, mm-hmm. um, Rune Quest. I think I did some stuff for that. Um, 
I can't remember a lot of it really because it was just orcs and goblins, you, you, you know. Um, just kind of doing anything they throw at you, huh? Wasn't there a game that was like, and forgive me for not remembering, it's like Cars? Oh, yeah, Dark Future. Dark Future. Mm. Yeah. That- I remember going to the hobby shops as a kid and seeing all this game's workshop stuff for the first time. And I, my mind was just blown because it just it stood out being so different compared to anything else here game wise at the time to me at least you know because I don't know the art and everything just was just radiated like this is something this is not your average board game you know no um, it wasn't a resounding success um, um, one of the one of the problems was the actual road board itself. Um, which came in sections like a like a scale extra track, mm-hmm. and it was too thin, so it just kept warping. And I think it was Milton Bradley who brought out a game called Thunder Road, and they'd nailed the road problem in one simple solution. You had two quite long sections of road, but when you reached the end of one, you just moved the one at the back to the front, and right. um, instantly playable. Um, I've always liked games where you have the rules printed on the inside of the lid, you know. Um, and even though we put a tremendous amount of work into the Dark Future rule books and the background books, it didn't it didn't really take off. It was too niche, I think. Um, although we all thought it was marvelous, you know, but it just didn't sell. We'll have to track down a copy of that and try it. Never heard of it. Yeah, I remember seeing. Uh, it. There's a lot of but, my. But I was young, so I couldn't afford anything. There's a lot of me doing my 1980s hair metal Mad Max hybrid stuff in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, most most of the guys look like Guns and Roses or whatever, you know, with big guns and stuff like that. Um, so it's awesome 80s stuff. Yeah, it was. I mean. You know, one of the, one of the things that was always playing in the design studio was sort of like a heavy rock, and uh, it was a very free and easy sort of um, place to go and work. I used to go down there more or less for the company sometimes in the afternoons. You know, I'd hmm. sit and chat to Tony and John, you know, and uh, crank out whatever they wanted me to do. You know. So, how did they approach you with Blood Bowl? Did was it the second edition? Yeah, second edition. I don't really remember the first edition. I wasn't involved at all in that one. But I just got a phone call from John one afternoon. And um, um, he said, it's a sports game. And I thought, oh, Christ, no. Uh, I've got no no interest <laughs> in sports whatsoever. Um, but uh, kind of like yourself, I, I like the humour and I like the world it was set in. Um it's not serious at all. It can't be anywhere near near serious. And so, yeah, I did a few bits and bobs, and then um, I was like the artist on the project. Um, a little bit disappointed that I never actually got to do a Blood Bowl painting. Still have time. Well, yeah, but that was because John told me I couldn't paint. <laughs> you know, uh, well, well, I've done all these book covers, you know. <laughs> um did some album album covers too, didn't you? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, got some kind of licensing thing on at the moment with those. So I'll, did, I'll... did you ever work for that band? Was it Bolt Thrower? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. It's like uh, it's hard. 
It's hardcore heavy metal, Steve. Huh. Yeah, I did um I, I did Warmaster and uh Live War. Um t- two album covers for them. And uh, again, very popular. I, I bring that up because over here when we were kids, there was a place called Sound Warehouse mm-hmm. um, that sold you know CDs and records and stuff like that. And it was about the age where we were getting into Blood Bowl. I swear to God, I was like, that art looks familiar and all this stuff. And I wanted to buy the album just based off the artwork of the cover, not knowing anything about mm-hmm. it. And uh, I just didn't, you know, I'm a kid, you know, I'm, 13 or whatever i don't have the money to buy Mm -hmm. an album and all this stuff so like i never got to really buy it and then years later i like listened to some of it i was like man i would (laughs) that's not really my music you know because i wasn't the metalhead but you you may have you may have turned i might have turned yeah but i would just remember seeing the artwork and i wonder if the artwork i saw was yours you know now that you mention it i think um mine's a ready uh um red album cover uh, the first one, Realm of Chaos, actually used the artwork from the front of of the original 40K book mm. because Workshop did dabble a little bit in in records. Uh, they did things like Blood for the Blood God and they did an album by Wraith, um, a few other minor sort of bands. It was with John okay, you- the fact that he was a heavy metal superstar. Oh. Okay, the one I, I recognize, I just Googled them, is War Master. Is that the one you said you yeah. did? Okay, yeah. So I guess I had my age wrong. I guess I was a little bit older. Here it is, Steve. Hold on. I do remember the Realms of Chaos cover, though, as well. Yeah, I mean, that that was done by John Sibick. Um, a fantastic painting, that was. And. Um, Everybody in the office just had to go and stare in awe at this thing. It was just magnificent to look at. Um, um, we used to see some incredible pieces of work. Um, I was always fascinated by Jim Burns' pieces. Um, you know, um, he did some top top quality work, um, and I'm very lucky to actually know him now as well, which is quite you know nice it is nice to talk to your heroes scott you know what i mean <laughs> it's nicer when you're when you finally get to talk to your heroes and i don't know about you but when i meet people i'm like i really hope he's not a jerk in like real life because i go to i've gone to comic conventions in the past and met people and i, w- I went from buying everything they did to meeting them shaking their hand and going i'm done yep, i did exactly <laughs> the same thing with frank miller mine was uh jay lee right yeah um uh, i remember handing him at the time, I was at the San Diego Comic-Con, and I had a copy of our – our idea was is mid-'90s, we were going to do a pinup book, sell a bunch of them locally, have minor nudity in them, and fuel enough money to start self-publishing our own comic. Well, the comic shop that we were going to sell a bunch at got busted, supposedly for selling pornography. Anyways, we never got to sell them locally at all. We made enough money back, but not enough to keep – you know self-publishing mm-hmm. anyways long story short i was at san diego comic-con of course i'm doing what you think you need to do is hand out issues of your comic waited in line forever saw jay lee handed him a, the issue he never even opened the book and he looked at me and goes thanks um but i'm a christian but i i can give it to somebody else and i looked at him <laughs> and i said i'm a christian too and i drew that and 
he just looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, I'm done, dude. I'm done buying your stuff. It's like, if you can't be open-minded and, you know, get out of my face. Well, what happened at my particular Comic-Con was that uh, to cut an incredibly long story, very, very short, we'd got this little kid that was dressed as Spider-Man that came off the street and uh, everybody seemed to fall in love with this kid because he was quite a little character, you know. And all the artists and writers were signing piles of comics for him and giving him stuff, you know. And I went up to Frank Miller and just said, Frank, can you sign this for that kid over there? And he said, no. Um, so I, oh. I called him an expletive <laughs> deleted and uh, that, that was it. I've never bought another Frank Miller thing since. Um, well, you probably haven't missed out much over the last 10, 15 years. <laughs> As I'll say. Yeah. Dark Knight Returns again, again, again. Oh, I, I, I saw my son's copy of that. I thought it was terrible. Um, it, it, it really was. Yeah. Um, but I've been really lucky in the fact that most of the people I've met have been all right, you know. Um, uh, I'm very lucky to be good friends with some of my old heroes, you know. Um, one of the first people that I ever wrote a fan letter to was Michael Moorcock. And that was in 1975, I think. And, and wow. we're still in contact to this day. Um, That's awesome. Because he is one of the nicest people that you could ever wish to meet, honestly. He's, he's a perfect gentleman. And with a name like that, you wouldn't expect that. Well, no, but uh, I, I mean, he's just one <laughs> of nature's good guys. Um, I love him, you know. Uh, and. I think I mentioned Stormbringer at one point earlier on, uh, which mm. was a dream product to do a Michael Moorcock role-playing game. Um, and me and Tony Ackland set to work uh, with, I think we had five days to do the whole book in. And Jeez. Holy we turned it in and it wasn't very good. And we shamed ourselves on that project. <laughs> I I actually wrote to Moorcock and apologised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, sorry, we only had five days. Don't kill I us. Think the, the, I, think the, I, I think the shortest deadline that I ever had uh, was on some 40K stuff. Uh, I think it was for White Dwarf, uh, which got reused in, in kind of some anthology. Um, I got a phone call about half past one in the afternoon saying, can you get over here now? And... I don't remember if there were 20 or 25 drawings he wanted by half past five. <laughs> and um, uh, some of them, they wanted, they actually wanted them coloured as well. And we had one of the office girls sat there with a hairdryer. Um, and we were just cranking this stuff out. And uh, uh, I did it. I didn't bother penciling. I just went straight to ink with a rather thick pen, you know, if in doubt, use a thicker pen. And uh, the reaction was effusive. It was, oh, thank you very much. You've saved the whole project. Duh, 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 duh. And when the project came out, I was called into the office and told, if you turn out shit like that again, you'll never work for this company. Uh, that, that's <laughs> gratitude for you, that is. You know? <laughs> I hope the company's better oh, now. Yeah, it's fantastic at the moment. And that's not just me saying it. it I've... Um, Seldom been happy working for anyone. Um, I, I, I get no <laughs> interference whatsoever. Um, 
almost no contact to tell you the truth. It's just, here's a script, do it, you know. Um, I might get some reference photographs, and that's that's your lot. It's entirely left up to me, which I suppose is a sign that, you know, they're going to trust me, um, you know, and I really enjoy doing it. That's cool. So speaking of, like, references and stuff, going back to, I guess, the second edition Blood Bowl stuff mm. where they brought you on, did you get any reference stuff at all, or did they just say it's fantasy sports, we're going to go with whatever your vision is? Because often I tell people, and you've heard me say this countless times to you in some effect, where it, you know, everybody goes, it's Jervis Johnson's game. And the rules are, I totally agree with that. You know, he's he's the guy, I'm assuming, that had a crew that yeah. play-tested it, made sure the rules worked. When we had bad rules, it was Jervis's fault. When we have good rules, yeah. it was Jervis's fault. But the visuals, the world, I always say you created the Blood Bowl universe visually because it wasn't, I mean, old timers that played first edition don't talk about the visuals for first edition. They don't talk about the visuals for third edition. Everybody older than me around my age, it's always second edition art because it captures the parody of this world where it's, you know, it's like the old world Warhammer, but it's also comedy. It's sports. It's people trying to win, but we're going to be goofy about it. It's perfect. It's perfect for like, at least a young boy yeah. who's growing up on seeing D&D images, who enjoys sports, who enjoys role-playing game, who enjoys being creative all together. Well, uh, w w what happened in terms of reference material is uh, I think Dave Andrews did the artwork for the first edition. And I had a few photocopies of the kind of thing that he was doing. Um, and there were a couple of models knocking around. Um, uh, I think if you look at the, if you look at the miniatures you got in the second edition box set, they are quite different to anything that I, that, that, that I actually drew. So what I did is uh, that, that I went down to the news agents and bought like a load of American football magazines and just really, um, essentially caricatured what I was seeing there. And I had no visual guides um, other than that, really. Um, you know, uh, I assumed that I made up most of it. I mean, I was au fait with the fantasy backgrounds because I'd read Lord of the Rings and, you know, I knew about Dungeons and Dragons, etc. cetera. Um, uh, and I also, had a, I also had a definite idea of how I wanted it to look. Um, you know, there's certain certain fantasy races that I've never really gotten on well with. Um, elves are one. So um, I found the elements in elves that I thought were amusing. Um, basically narcissistic um, glam rock queens, really. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that vision of them is the only vision that we ever need. <laughs> I, um, I, I love how that race stands out as being that way compared to the other races. I'm yeah. And my absolute favorite race, as you probably know, is goblins. And my goblins uh, are straight out of Warner Brothers cartoons. Mm -hmm. Don't think it was actually used, but we did some pictures of uh, when they first brought out the steamroller of death. Uh, we actually wanted to uh, issue a sticker that you could wrap around the roller of a crushed goblin. Um, and make a and make a medic with a foot pump, 
Um, so you kind of just <laughs> stuck the hose in its mouth and foot pumped away and it reinflated, you know. Everything that happens to the goblins is more or less wily coyote. Orcs, again, very, very much in the, the kind of line of um, things, things from Warner Brothers, like the dog in Tom and Jerry and all that sort of stuff. Butch, mm-hmm. you know, big and stupid, but ultimately not, not evil. Um, I don't think any of them are really evil. I agree with you overall. Second edition Blood Bowl to me, nothing was evil. They dark, were just dark elves meaner, maybe meaner races or stupider races compared to others. Dark elves now in the current edition are pretty freaking evil. Back but, then, they were poisoning people and stabbing and yeah, driving. That's, and... that's all kind of fun. You know, they lived in a cave. They <laughs> okay. played Blood Bowl in a cave. Now they're like worshiping whatever. Khan, the, I don't remember. The Blood God. What, what, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm having great fun with the character of Bob Bifford at the moment in Spike. I knew nothing about Bob because if you remember in the second edition, Jim and Bob were identical. Yeah, that was awesome back then because I was reading about that and you couldn't tell them apart in real life. So it just made sense to make them identical in the, in the yeah, edition. Uh, okay, so now they've changed. One's a vampire, one's an ogre. And uh, again, Bob is as tough as he can, but he's not mean. Um, he's efficient. And uh, I I have had the opportunity to draw some really sadistic stuff, but I've actually chosen not to. Um, I'd I'd rather hint at it than actually show it. I I also make sure that bad things happen to Bob as well. I want him to have a fully rounded character. I don't know if you've seen the first issue of Spike, but in that Bob looks nothing at all like he does in other pieces of artwork. That's because the guy is aging throughout the strips. Yeah, we, we've seen them. We own two <laughs> copies. We're, we're, we're trying to keep you employed, bud. And <laughs> um, um, every issue, he, he has a different hairstyle. We're working through classic English footballers' hairstyles. This new one I'm doing, I think he has the man bun in this one. Um, <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Not the man the, bun. And the final one, uh, it'll be uh, the classic Bobby Charlton comb-over. Because <laughs> uh, uh, there was a very famous English footballer called Bobby Charlton that had possibly the worst haircut in human history. And that is the final one for Bob uh, before he shaves his head completely and whatever. <laughs> so, Pete, if is there any, going back to the second edition stuff, is there any of those like characters that specifically came from you? I mean, like, everybody talks about Griff Overwald, Morgan Thorg, Zug, stuff like that. Is there anybody, like, 100% is, like, I did that all on my own? Uh, do you know what? I'd, I'm going to say I'm going to say no, because it was very much a, a collaborative effort on some levels. And we'd all go down the cross keys after work, and we'd just shoot the shit and uh, I'm I'm sure names came up and all that kind of stuff but uh, I think what I did was actually flesh out the names and turn them into characters uh, I, I'm not going to go on record as saying that I created this and I created that because sure. to be honest, I don't know what uh, what I did the only thing that we've managed to assemble is that I did, did the uh, 
I was responsible for the pogo sticks of doom. Um, <laughs> and if you look at the original artwork for that, uh, it has all the Nifton uh, hallmarks in it. Is the, the fact that I've always found pogo sticks really funny. Um, I've also liked goblins on pogo sticks, and fez wearing goblins is just the best. Well, that's cool. I'm down for that one, but as to the rest, I don't know. Um, I think that the pogo sticks of doom were created the same night as the steamroller of death, to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> Ackland was involved at some point, you know, just kind of sat around a table. So was Mark Gascoigne, um, uh, another great bloke. Sometimes the best ideas really are in like one of those laid back group environments where it's like, help me out, Steve, using my words here. It's like a <laughs> one big community brain all melding together in like some a hive ways. mind like a yeah like a hive mind where everybody kind of has an input and because everybody's starts syncing up and creating this yeah. it's like a unit's creating you know life into other characters and stuff like that i mean we do that that's all- how everything works yeah. i mean look at star wars the original star wars is george lucas a lot of people telling him to you know pull it back don't be weird Spielberg coming in and cleaning up some stuff, his wife, you know, saving the film through editing. Yeah. And then you look at episode one, which is just all Lucas with nobody telling him no. And you're like, <laughs> no, we really should not have this guy having that much control. Yeah. I mean, um, it is, it is very much a group effort. Um, I mean, it, it was the same with dark future. Um, I know you guys aren't particularly familiar with that, but, but it was the same. It was the same kind of ethos: is that every, everybody chips in. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking that I probably came up with the name Dark Side Cowboys. Um, two things suggest that: one is that I had a big Wild Side obsession with Motley Crue at the time, mm-hmm. and it's also a nod to Jack Kirby as well. The Dark Side from the. the, the uh, oh. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think I might have come up with that one. I'm not 100% sure. but it, Now I want a comic book of Jack Kirby doing Cowboys. Um, that would be insane. He did some, didn't he? he? Did, yeah, he did, did, did things like Boys Ranch. He did the Two-Gun Kid, Rawhide Kid. Uh, oh, yeah, but I mean, you know, full-on sci-fi 60s Kirby doing Cowboys. Space Cowboys. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Pete, yeah. give me some of your like big comic influences. I I know we've already mentioned one with Jack Kirby. Who okay, else, who else you got out there that you just just blew blew you away growing up? Well, um, I mentioned Frank Bellamy earlier on. Uh, he he worked exclusively for the British market alongside people like Mike Noble and a guy called Ron Embleton um, that were just fantastic and when we got the, the american comics um i absolutely uh, loved joe kubert I, I thought he he was astonishingly good um was never quite convinced by steve ditko but i loved his doctor strange i thought that was just it, it was so weird um i know i I hate telling people that i was never a fan of steve ditko i mean i appreciate what he did mm-hmm. but I was never a fan of Steve Ditko. He didn't seem very dynamic, except when he was doing Doctor Strange, and then he just it was balls to the wall. Yeah, it was. You know, I, 
I mean, I was fascinated by the dread door mammo and the mindless ones, um, and all all the kind of melting roadways and kind of mouths just opening up in space and things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was always a, a massive fan of Neil Adams. I adored it. Uh, I still do. And then possibly one of the biggest influences on my work was John Buscema. Uh, oh, that guy, that guy's so amazing. Yeah. Um, I would buy it. I would buy any comic that he drew. I, I agree. And I recently found some um, old videos of him drawing stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't even know how to explain it. Watching it, it just, one, it makes me just never want to pick up a pencil again because it's like, I'm never going to get like this level. And every line he does is so effortless and so crisp and professional. It's just mind boggling. Hmm. Yeah. I've watched quite a bit, a bit of his stuff on YouTube and, uh, it is. Uh, he was a consummate professional. Never quite that into his brother Sal. Um, always struck me as that. Let's get Sal because John's not available. <laughs> right. Um, uh, who else? Uh, loved Gene Colan stuff. Thought he was he, he was phenomenal. Um, also Barry Windsor Smith as well. Loved loved his, oh. his early work, um, and. Uh, Alex Toth, I, I really like him. Um, uh, never liked people like Jim Starlin much. Um, uh, always seemed a bit fiddly. And, you know, looming over it all is obviously Jack Kirby. Um, and I learned so much uh, from uh, from his work. Um, you know, one of the things that I was very disappointed with this week is we had the launch of a new comic uh, in Britain, which utilises a, a lot of old, quote, superheroes from the kind of 60s and 70s. And uh, it's called The Vigilant. But the people that have done it just don't seem to be able to tell a story. Um, it's just not a satisfying read. Um, I don't know, but every single line that Jack Kirby laid down was uh, relevant. You know, um, amazing. So I started reading comics, I think it was 85. And at this time, you know, I, I just didn't care for Jack Kirby because it's, oh, it's blocky. It's it's coming out at you off the page and stuff like that. And I remember going to the like Comic-Cons and stuff and in the 50 cent box, I'd find, you know, these OMAC things and stuff like that. Well, I bought them kind of as a joke. And then I read them and I was like, I'm really enjoying these, but I still wasn't ready to say I'm appreciating these. The older I get, I feel like such a dick. Like if I had a time machine, I would go back and super kick myself in the face because Jack Kirby did so much Mm -hmm. good. And I can really, over the last 20 years, I'm 44. Over the last 20 years, I've grown to like super appreciate it. When I was Mm. like 14, I thought it was more comical and like this guy, why was this guy popular? And now I'm like, I feel so bad for ever saying Well, I mean, the thing is as well is that not only was his artwork fantastic, but, but, but his imagination was too, because, you know, he did essentially create all these characters. Um, uh, I'm not a Stan basher, but uh, I don't think Stan's input was that significant. From everything, no. from a lot of stuff I read that and know, 
you know, Kirby pretty much laid out the comic, plotted the comic, even put his own words in there. And then like <laughs> Stan from, you know, goes in there and maybe changes a word or two that gets credit for writing. Now, I, don't, and I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but I, I think that's closer to the truth than what Stan most Lee people Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've read quite a few of the history of Marvel books and you know, that, 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 that kind of stuff. And that is the perceived wisdom, I think now. Um, and, uh, before Stan goes to the big bullpen in the sky, I wish he'd just come clean and just sort of like say, "Yeah, you know." Uh, no. Yeah, he'd never know though. I don't. Th- I, I, I don't think he knows himself anymore. No, there's lots of that too. <laughs> Most of my artists, though, that I really admired were working for Marvel. I was never a big DC fan. Um, you know, if you take a comic from like 1965 or 66, and it and it's a Marvel comic, you've got shit like Galactus on the front. Whereas if you pick up a Superman, he's been turned into a baby again or he's got really fat. Or he's fighting Humpty Dumpty, yeah. like an egg guy or something. The Superman and Batman ones, are that's easy to pick on because they were the bread and butter, so they didn't want to mess with them too much. Are you saying they had a formula? So Yeah. And also they had to appeal to everybody, including kids. You know, Green Lantern was a little bit better. You know, your Flash or your... Steve's a DC fan, so he's going to stick hey, up for I'm, him a little bit. I'm just saying there is better stuff out there than a, a lot of that Batman, Superman stuff was horrible. Pete. But there is good stuff out there. Pete, um, did you ever read any of the early Doom Patrol stuff? I used to love the Doom Patrol. Yeah. Okay, like the original stuff. Uh, the artist's name, and I'm showing Steve because I'm not even going to attempt to. Giordano Bruno? Uh, Bruno. Oh. How, how do you pronounce his last name? There, I didn't Steve. see that. Premiani? Bruno Premiani, I guess is his name. Anyways, the, the artist for the, some of that original Doom Patrol run was amazing. Yeah, I used to love Robot it, Man. It, 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 it was cool. Um, the guy, um, I think he's called Negative Man, the guy in bandages. Yeah. So spooky. Uh, yeah, uh, there was the Doom Patrol and the Metal Men that, that I, I found really quite weird, that, that they had a really strange atmosphere hanging over the pair of them. Well, over the like last 10 years or so, I picked up those Doom Patrol showcases, got them really cheap, and I was reading them, you know, finally, and I was like, man, this art is really, the storytelling, it's really good stuff, and like, this is a hidden gem, because everybody, not a lot of people appreciate it, definitely no. the first Doom Patrol, oh, which no. was outselling the X-Men books and stuff like that well, at the time. They were the reason X-Men exist. Well, they really are. Yeah. So... But people don't know that or care to know right. that. So, anyways, I was just curious if like you were familiar with that guy's art and like if you thought the same thing I did. What so. was the um, uh, Thunder Agents by Wally Wood as well was always always interesting. I always loved Wally Wood stuff, and it was always too bad that you know he just was an alcoholic and just decided you know this is enough. <laughs> well, we all get like that, <laughs> um, unfortunately. But... <laughs> um. I mean, I did walk away from the artwork for quite a time. Um, I just, I just had enough. I thought, you know, I was naive enough to think that uh, if you do a piece of work, you'll get paid for it. And uh, it was very difficult actually getting paid by some clients. And I just had enough. Yeah, it's the life of a freelancer. It's uh, the hardest part is getting people to pay. So I went to work in a supermarket for quite a while uh, because all I had to do was basically show up. Um and that was that. And 
I didn't like it, but it was just restful, I think, if you know what I mean. You know, just sure. I mean, as a person who doesn't draw well, I mean, probably draw better than some. I'm I'm talking about myself. Mm. All the time I have people come up to me and go, Oh man, you're a great artist. Can you draw me this? (laughs) And and then when you start to talk about, well, okay, if I do that, it's probably usually about a forty dollar piece or the oh. I was just hoping maybe you could do that for me and help promote you. And I thought, dude, I'm 44. I don't have much time left. There's not much left promoting. Why don't you (laughs) – yet they'll turn around and go get a tattoo who's also a great artist. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what's the difference? But it always is if like, well, that's just a natural skill. And I was like, bullshit. I've I've had this for many years um, is the fact that um, how come – uh, that say, for instance, a plumber gets paid more than an artist. Uh, because if I wanted to, I could learn to be a plumber, but that plumber could never learn to be an artist. You don't think so? So I, I have a theory that art to a certain degree can be learned. Like anybody with time, and if they're willing to put into it with practice, mm. and a lot, it might be a lot, but I believe creativity behind the art is like a born thing like you either have it or you don't and that really excels your artwork and stuff and that's i could be totally wrong because i'm just a dude in america here (laughs) no i i I just found it rather frustrating because you know people always want you to do something for nothing don't they Mm -hmm. you know uh i don't need i i'm like you guys i don't need to promote myself like that um you know, uh, who are they going to show it to? The next door neighbor, you know. If, exactly. Um, oh God, yeah, that's great. That is, you know, maybe he can do a free tattoo for design for yeah. me. <laughs> um, you know, it's like me going down to the shops, isn't it, and filling a basket full of groceries, then walking out without paying for it. You know, <laughs> exactly. Now, that being said, if somebody would like to commission you for some art, you know, they can always contact you at PeteNiftonArt at gmail dot com. That's true. Yeah. And I'm sure your rates are reasonable, but, you know, your time is important, so nobody will lowball you. No. Uh, yeah, I'm more than willing, you know, um, to do commissions. Uh, I work cheap, you know. Just no, you, no, you don't work cheap. <laughs> bad Pete. Bad Pete. You work expensive. You charge people a lot of money so that you can live better. That's what you're supposed to do. So, Pete, I'm going to give you some advice that I used to do. I used to... I'm assuming y'all have Toys R Us's. They were out in the world, right? Yeah, they were. Okay, before they closed down. I used to, like, collect toys and stuff, and my thing was, like, wrestling action figures and stuff. So what I used to do back when I was married is if I went to the store and seen some figures I just had to have because they're going to be collectible one day, and uh, I'd spend 40 bucks or whatever. And then I'd come home, and she's like, how much did you spend? And I'd go, just $85. And then she would freak (laughs) out freak out and then i go actually i only spent 40 and she'd go oh that's not bad and she'd move on whereas if i would have said 40 from the beginning i still would have got my butt chewed out mm-hmm. i played this game for years and it worked every time <laughs> so that's what you do with this artwork i think i can do it for 800 and then when they don't email back immediately go oh i'm sorry i looked at that wrong i can do that for 450 yeah full page a couple hundred bucks yeah <laughs> Well, talking about toys, I mean, I'm 
I'm an inveterate toy collector. I've got loads. Um, um, and my son is thinking of getting married um, next year. I would hope so. He has a fiance. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he does. He he has a very beautiful fiance. And uh, one of Max's, that's my son's name, Max, is one of his great regrets in life is that all his Batman toys got trashed and thrown away and whatever. And he's completely unaware that when I bought him a Batman figure, I bought two. So (laughs) his wedding present, basically, is it's trunk full of Batman toys that... uh, Wow. That is awesome, That's amazing. That, you, you sound similar to... My dad never bought two... But for the longest time, I told Steve this. I never knew Star Wars figures came home, came in a package, no. because when I was a young boy, I'd get them, but I never saw the packages. And as a kid, I don't remember us just going to the store to look at toys and stuff. I went to the grocery store and came home because my parents didn't have a lot of money at the time. But I got, I probably had twenty so action figures of Star Wars. And dad always brought them home. And I found out the dude was like opening up and kind of posing them and playing around with them <laughs> before he'd hand them <laughs> off to me. So <laughs> he didn't buy two because he couldn't afford it, but he sure wanted to play with Yoda. And I mean, it was up, it was past Yoda before I knew <laughs> that they came back. And <laughs> so good stuff. Speaking yeah. of artwork and stuff after blood bowl, doing the blood bowl project or whatever, I know you did some comics and stuff like that. Could you kind of like give us the rundown and it can be the short or long of like other things you did? Okay. Uh, what did I do? What did I do? What did I, do? Uh, I did quite a lot of stuff for just general magazines. Uh, okay. Uh, just general illustration uh, stuff. Uh, you know, adverts, things like that. Um, I did a yogurt advert, you know. Um, Didn't you do... So over here we had a Transformer yeah. comic. It it phased out about I want to say issue like seventy one or eighty one or something mm. like that. But I always heard the legends of like, did you know Transformers are still being published in the UK? And it blew my yeah. mind. Did you do a bunch of those? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did probably about eighteen issues or something like that. Um, and I, I I got that work by. Just going down to a comic convention and just having a word with a guy called Steve White. And uh, he sent me a sample script for, I think it was G.I. Joe. And uh, he liked that. And I got Transformers. Um, Although the first strip I did was almost rejected because I was under the impression it was going to be in colour. So I didn't really add that much detail to it. Uh, It turned out it was in black (laughs) and white. Um, Oh. It's always helpful if people tell you that. The same thing happened with the first two issues of, um, no, the first three issues of Spike magazine. I only found out it was going to be in black and white when they actually gave me a copy. Um, And I was like, oh, Jesus. Uh, Very tempted to actually ask for one page back so I could finish it. Um, Because I thought that I'd seen the the Bloodborne magazine that Titan did. And that was all computer coloured and stuff like that. And that's what I assumed this was going to be like. Um, And they had this kind of fancy crowd effect that they kind of just drop in, you know. And, uh, yeah, there's almost no crowd in one of the pictures. Uh, And it does feel a little bit um, incomplete, you know. But nobody's noticed, so, you know, 
all is forgiven. Um, yeah, what else did I do? I did, uh, I did, did about 30 issues uh, doing three strips for a children's comic. Um, I did Dr. Blood's Monster Hospital, uh, Captain Bird, and uh, Angry Angus. These are kind of peculiar British comics, which I don't think you have in the States. Um, mm. Then I went on to do um, a lot of work for um, alternative armies doing Flintlock um, and a science fiction game called Firefight. And I think I worked for them for about five years. Um, I ended up as the art editor for AA. Um, uh, and I think I was about the sole artist as well. I was cranking stuff out at a phenomenal rate. Um, uh, I wrote a few comic books for those. Um, and then I worked on various... Um, fantasy magazines, you know, just drawing orcs and, you know, box standard fantasy kind of um, uh, stuff. And, uh, yeah, just basically earning a, earning a few crusts where and when I could, you know. Um, I had, um, I had thought about going back down to Games Workshop, but, uh, um, they seem to have evolved their own kind of crew of people. And uh, I was, I think I saw myself as quite old school. Um, pro- probably wouldn't fit in. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah, but that's not a bad thing now because luckily they're embracing that and getting back to the, you know, the fun and the fluff and, especially, you know, your art. Well, the thing is, I mean, I was, I was actually looking at my art yesterday which is a useful thing to do when you're drawing it. Um, and I thought this looks nothing like the stuff I did 30 years ago. Um, I've completely changed my style, um, although nobody seems to have noticed that much. Um, I think it's essentially recognised as mine, but it's 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 not as slick as it used to be. Um, I t- tend to do an awful lot of kind of like, what would you call it, scrubbing with a pen now. Um, um, yeah. which means I'm drawing the same picture about five times over. Do you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> did you ink differently back then than you do now? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, when I uh, was doing things like, um, what is it? I've got the thing here. Um, uh, star players. I was definitely trying to get like a Joe Sinop, Ron Friends kind of look to the inking on some of the pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of very fine feathering and um, um, a, a lot, of, a lot of detail was paid to the anatomy um, of the players. Um, you know, I, I always had a, a, a Bern Hogarth book on my drawing board and whatever. You know, um, um, and now I think one of the one of the easiest things I've done over the past few years is to make it up um as long as it looks halfway plausible that's good enough for me um it means i can turn out stuff faster uh by not agonizing over which you know 
bicep fits with which tricep and all that kind of thing. And realistically, most people are not going to know the difference. I was going to say, those Burn Hogarth books were the most checked out books when I was a child at our library over in Choctaw. Yeah. And you do agonize because you want to get it like, <laughs> I, I, I guess I feel your pain because when you start to draw something and then if you look at those things, even just for a muscle <laughs> reference, then you go like, I just need to scrap this and start yes. over. So <laughs> totally that. You also mentioned Ron Friends, which is another artist as a young man I never cared for. And now I love his work. So, I have no idea who that is. Uh, longtime Thor artist, yeah. uh, longtime Marvel guy. Oh, okay. Um, did the did he do the Spider Girl yes, stuff when it yes. finally hit? I know. Is that right? Is it that was him? Yeah. And he did like the the Marvel Two Universe stuff, like J Two. Oh. and some of that yeah. stuff. He's been around forever. You know him. I'm, I'm sure I you're do, familiar though. with his artwork okay. for sure. I just never, it never stu- stood out, I guess. To me, it always looked like, you know, they call stuff like a house style. Like this is, and now mm-hmm. it's like, it's so appreciative of it now. It's like hmm. crazy. Thunderstrike is him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, that was him and Tom DeFalco. Yes. Who offered me um, an X-Men annual at one point. Oh my gosh! He gave me his his business card, and I was told to call him on the Monday. And so I did. I rang up Ron. Uh, uh, rang up on the Monday morning. I uh, speak to Tom, uh, who answered with, uh, "Who the fuck are you? How did you get my number? Go away!" <laughs> wow. Are you serious? Wow. Uh, yeah, that, that 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 was that. You know. So I'm really glad I didn't hop on a plane to New York. <laughs> so. Back to the okay, so I really want to ask this question before I forget. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm assuming being a you know, like a brash American, we figure everybody knows everything about our states and culture here. Uh, Mount Rushmore, it's a monument obviously created with uh, or with the intention of having the faces of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln, uh, as a big monument that was never really totally complete, but. The faces are there, and most people in the world know what that is. Yeah, so a yeah. lot of times in sports radio over here, or even talking with friends, I would say over the last five years, you always hear people say, "Who's who belongs on your Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks? Or who yeah. is your Mount Rushmore of you know fantasy writers? So I have two Mount Rushmores I'd like you to create. <laughs> okay. One, your Mount Rushmore, Pete Nifton's Mount Rushmore for comic book artists is the first one. Okay. You get four people only uh, that are going to go on the statue. Oh, uh, Alex Raymond, um, Jack Kirby, um, John Buscema, and Jim Steranko. Wow. So fill me in on Alex Raymond. Uh, because that's the name, at least right offhand. He off did Tarzan stuff, didn't he? He did Tarzan. He did Flash Gordon. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, he was working in the early 1930s and yeah. uh, was just absolutely consummate. Uh, beautiful artist. Um, massive influence on my formative years when um, I began to realise that, that there is more to comic artwork than, you know, Zap and Pow and whatever. His his Flash Gordon was very, um, not esoteric, but kind of psychedelic before psychedelic was a thing. Yeah, it was very exotic, I, I think. Yeah. Um, it was also very beautifully retro as well. It's, 
absolutely gorgeous. Um, I mean, I was I was watching an interview with John Byrne, who said that when he was asked to redesign Superman, the design of the, the design of the planet Krypton was still very much Flash Gordon, and he did essentially create that whole visual look for you know um, kind of needle nose rockets and men wearing little tiaras and kind of stars on the chest and all that, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I think I've included Jim Steranko on there because uh, he was just so experimental back in the 60s um, that he really did push the boundaries of how of how you could design a comic. Um, again, I remember his S.H.I.E.L.D. comics and just like, what the heck is going on here? Oh, that, yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, his Nick Fury S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff was just crazy good. Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed with the TV show because I thought, please, let's have a bit of craziness in it. But no. Uh, if you're disappointed in the TV show, you should track down the David Hasselhoff movie. I've seen it. it yeah, that's <laughs> horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we did the Mount Rushmore of artists. Yep. I want your Mount Rushmore, and I'm it's going to be kind of looser of create like creators and in my, in my thinking thinking, like I was shocked to see here you say Jim Steranko, but like when I say creators, I mean, it could be an artist. It could be an inker. It could be a writer. It could be a guy who does both. Mm. So some of these might carry over Michelangelo, Dontello, Leonardo. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not comic <laughs> by Steve. I want oh. in our realm of nerdinism. Okay. Okay, uh, uh, oh dear, to break it down into sort of like genres, fantasy, I'm going to put Moorcock on there. Um, okay. Be- because he's written in all kinds of, all kinds of genres. Um, well, that's why I wanted this Mount Rushmore, so it encompassed more than just comic art, yeah. necessarily an artist. It could be anybody, and, and Moorcock is a great example uh, of that. I'm going to put William Blake on there. Um because I think that, that that he has had a phenomenal impact on some writers um, and particularly comic book writers. Um, he was dealing with you know um, wars of the gods before you know it was popular. Um, writers, do, do you know? I'm going to put Frank Miller up there, even even though I'm not keen on the guy personally. Uh, because he basically did reinvent just about everything. You know, I've, I've always loved comics. I've never been extremely well-versed in art, like the actual artistic side of it. I've enjoyed it, but I've not understood it a lot. But when I got the the TPB of the original Daredevil run that oh. Miller did, uh-huh. it was amazing just for me to see how he went from, this is a Daredevil comic and I'm copying the people before, and now I'm going to put in a little bit of flourish. Now I'm going to do a little bit more and then just full on, this is my comic and I'm just going to screw around and do amazing work how I want. Yeah. And you can really see the progression of his work in I mean, that. One of the things I remember most about his Daredevil run is that you eagerly awaited every issue. It, it was absolutely vital that you got one, you know? I can imagine. And uh, my last my last choice, um, it's like one of them, I just think my mind's gone blank. <laughs> um, who, who else would have put up there? Um, I don't know. Um, let's say H.P. Lovecraft. Well, all right. Makes sense. Well, 
in this PC world now, we can't. I can't have him on there because he's a racist. Okay, no. that's cool. I, everybody was back I, then. I know. I'm joking. Okay. I'm joking. No, I don't. Like, want what the heck? <laughs> I'm just giving him a hard time. Well, uh, this um, subject came up the other day, um, and uh, everybody was a racist back in the day, and uh, you know we, we were talking about what do they call the dog in Dambusters now? Uh, because it was the N-word. Um, and that influenced one of our neighbours to buy a dog. And she had two names for it. One was Ringo, and the other one was the N-word. And she could be heard wandering up down the street many a night shouting, Ringo, Ringo. Um, <laughs> like she went with that wow. choice, you know. Um, but no, I mean, I've read a lot about H.P. Lovecraft's supposed uh, sort of racism, and um, it's it's awkward. Um, but again, he did invent a whole sort of like subgenre of horror fiction. Um, he sure did. At I some mean, point, you just have to separate the artist from the art, and it's unfortunate. But I mean, we can't judge everything. I think of it like Star Trek. We can't judge past societies based on our current beliefs. No, you can't. I mean, you have now, to what make we can do better. Um, you know, I, I mean, I was absolutely outraged when they started to ban Tom and Jerry. Um, Me too. Because of supposed racism, supposed violence. Um, but I watched those cartoons growing up as a kid, as did everybody else, and we just loved them. Um, yeah. You know, um, I think the world can get a little bit too PC for its own good sometimes. Um, you, you know, um, it's like just water off a duck's back. It's just, just forget it. I mean, it's like one of the things that, that I did in, I think it was the second issue of Spike, is I had a perfect opportunity to draw very sexy elf women. And I didn't because I thought well, there's enough of that in comics. Um, yeah. I basically drew them as obviously female but, but I didn't hyper stylize them or anything a bit like a guy in a sort of Rob Leefield or Jim Lee would have done um, and that's another thing that I find in comics as well all the women are exactly the same you know Supergirl is the same shape as Wonder Woman uh, who is the same shape as Sue Storm most of the men are too, though, really. Well, yeah. Um, it all comes down to it's just it's fantasy fulfillment at that point. Mm. So, of course, you try to do the hyper-realistic, and that was the way it used to be. Now we've become more open as a culture and been like, oh, well, you know, we could have different shaped people. We could have a, you know, an overweight male hero if we wanted, and we could have a regular shaped female, sure. Mm. I mean um, – the one thing that's always bugged me is uh, spandex, you know, um, yeah. particularly spandex where you can see the veins bulging underneath it, you know. <laughs> right. It's, it's not spandex, is it? it's body paint. Um, Pretty much. And uh, I was asked to do a superhero strip for um, a small comic book company earlier on last year. And uh, I just thought, right, the first thing that's going to go is a spandex. Um, you know, then it was the cape that went. <laughs> um, he he kind of lost his cowl and was given like a crash helmet. And uh, I just tried to make it practical. Um, 
I think you can go too far down that road with things like Iron Fist, who just wears a sweaty, if a hooded sweatshirt. Um, yeah. There should be some concession to a costume, but very often Marvel don't bother. Um, that's funny. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because I always go back. Some I get in this mood where, like, no, if it were in the real world, they'd look like this. And then at the same time, it's like, I want to go back to the spandex where my yeah. veins are popping. <laughs> I love. I loved the uh, Avengers when they did both and they all had bomber, those Avenger bomber jackets. So you'd have like swordsman in full swordsman outfit with a leather jacket on that just had the A. Oh, you talking about Remember those? Is that in mid 300s? Yeah, it's it's like 93-ish. Okay, that, that's about the time I started checking out Avengers. Once the Fantastic Four joined the Avengers, it I, was, I hung on for about 30 more issues, and then I was like, I'm done. There was a whole era there where they wore You're jackets. You're right. Cersei had a like yeah. a leather jacket on. She had her costume, mm-hmm. and then they all like were cold, so they needed like a, <laughs> a like a jacket from like Tales of the Monkey, yeah. those leather jackets. That was their way of banding the group together. <laughs> okay, I barely remember <laughs> that. I don't think I had those issues. It was though. so dumb. Yeah, I mean, I've um, often wondered why people like Daredevil didn't wear a coat, you know. Um, it can't be much fun hanging around New York in the middle of winter. I no, yeah. it has to be cold um, as heck. But but then again, I mean, it's all inherently ridiculous, isn't it? You know, right? You just have to go with it. There are certain things, like sure, Peter Parker, super genius, can create this you know unbreakable bond yeah. that dissolves in an hour. Why is he not making millions and millions of dollars on this? <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I. I, I have to turn in these uh, photographs or I can't pay Aunt May's rent. Dude, you're sitting on $45 trillion worth of tech in your arm. Yeah, there's also as well, you know, who makes these bloody costumes as well. It's always me. Yeah. I, think, I, just, I always love those stories when they went behind the scenes and like, well, here's the guy who made the costume and here's the guy who made the equipment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they did that with an Invincible the image comic Robert Kirkman went into, there was this guy, I think his name was Sid. I could be wrong on that, but um, he made like 90% of the superhero costumes. Cause they all like, Oh, I know a guy, but I can't tell you who he is. And you find out it's the same guy making all this. Astro city had that too. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's probably popped up a lot in the last. I mean, that was, that was actually referenced in the second series of Daredevil, wasn't it? Um, He knows a guy that makes him his suits and what's him. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. And oh, apparently, was it? um, it's been rumoured that we'll get the Gladiator in Series 3. Um, but some, and it might be the guy that makes the costumes becomes a Gladiator. I don't I don't know. He has little buzz saws on his yeah. arms. Oh, that Gladiator. I was thinking yeah. of the Starjammer Gladiator. No, no, no. I was like, that's a weird crossover. No, the, the, the old Daredevil villain i, I got you yeah i'll tell you who's always struck me as being one of the most ridiculous villains is the stilt man oh no doubt he was one of the worst um, <laughs> i saw a copy of um i think it was black goliath versus the stilt man <laughs> i think what you know <laughs> this guy's just got telescopic legs i love stilt man stilt man currently one of those stilt men currently holds on to i think the soul gym what in the current Marvel continuity, Turk Barrett, who was Stilt Man. Okay, he has one of the Infinity Gems right now. Going into this Infinity, I think it's Infinity Wars or Infinity Something crossover. Wow. 
He's come a long yeah, way. <laughs> and there, there was also the terrible Leapfrog as well. Um, he was never as good as Batrock. Zilipa. Yeah, who, who oh, I was I quite pleased to see in um, the Winter Soldier. That was in. The movie? Yes, that, that was my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah. I just want him to go, I am Zilipa. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a shame he was you know, wasted, really. I mean, he, he, yeah. he did deserve a bigger part in the movie, but uh, it's still a classic hey. film, that one. Um, when Thanos snaps his fingers and brings everybody back, hmm. who knows who actually brings back? I hope he brings back Claw, because yeah. Claw, Claw was, was a great... I always said, you know, I was mad in Black Panther when they killed spoilers yeah. people they kill claw um he was one of those great I, I love comics where you open the first page and it's like superman or spider-man just mop, mopping up a d-list villain mm-hmm. and then they kind of go into the story showing that he's constantly cleaning up the city and i think the superhero movies all of them need stuff like that yeah I, I don't want to see the movie where at the beginning you watch the guy who gets picked on fall into a vat of chemicals and become a, a villain just let him be a villain we don't need a big backstory anymore and i'd like these d-list villains showing up throughout i thought claw was perfect to like we can use him for captain america we can use him in black panther we can he's use actually him a really good villain yeah i, I love that stuff and I, I wish they would do that more often with some of these d-list characters yeah I agree. It's nice to see them crop up in things like Gotham. Um, you know, um, thoroughly enjoyed that yeah. series. Um, I think I'm up to speed on it now, but uh, yeah, it, it it's nice. I think they're bringing the Mad Hatter in in, in, in the next series, which we've got. Um, oh, that's cool. And Bane as well. Um, <laughs> it's a bit early though, isn't it, really? Because, I mean, Jeez. Bruce Wayne's only like 15 or something. I've accepted that that's just an alternate storyline, yeah, and then it doesn't bother me as bad. Yeah, um, it was a bit jarring because you're thinking these guys have been around for twenty years before Batman shows up. <laughs> you know? I've I've kind of as I've gotten older, I've I tried just to enjoy the movies more. By I still nitpick them because I'm a nerd. That's sure. what I do. That's what we all do, kind of. Because if you're creative, you kind of like think your idea is better yeah <laughs> and sometimes it is but i've tried just to accept like the marvel universe is the marvel universe and i just tell people like yeah. on the comic this is what happened mm-hmm. i don't know what they're gonna do here you but have we'll to enjoy take it. everything as it is rather well, than how you wish it to be i learned that with green lantern i think <laughs> they've done a fantastic job with the films uh, they've yeah. managed to create like a cohesive universe um at the mcu um and yeah, it works brilliantly. Um, I've not seen every film yet, but uh, you know, time enough. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one one of my favourites was Ant Man. I just I've always loved Ant Man as a character. My girlfriend loves Ant Man, but she also loves Paul yeah. Rudd. She's already <laughs> said like, if I get a chance to make out with him, you're just going to either have to go to the other room or watch. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I mean, my favourite bit of Ant Man was the train crash because we're so conditioned to seeing fights on top of trains which end in a gigantic <laughs> smash and to have thomas the tank engine just fall off the track just <laughs> brilliant. that was great um, i feel like we really veered off of what we were talking right. about that's okay that's fine yep okay back i'm pretty sure we could just you know talk your ear off all day so maybe we need to make the pete nifton podcast where we just sit and talk about like <laughs> random things all, all the time <laughs> Oh, 
we can certainly have you back anytime. Yeah, sure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, so just to be correct, because I don't want your inbox to like go crazy. You are accepting commissions yep. for the right price because you're not doing them for free. Well, you're done doing well, that in your life. Yes, Daddy. So if you are out there and you're listening and maybe you don't even know who Pete Nifton is, you do now. You know, the man behind the artwork. And if you're not familiar with his Blood Bowl artwork, you can go back and search second edition Blood Bowl. It's all throughout there, plus all the other things that he's done. Um, you can contact Pete at Pete Nifton Art at gmail.com. That's all one word. P-E-T-E-K-N-I-F-T-O-N-A-R-T at gmail.com. Now, Steve just looked at me funny as I was reading that because I wanted to say it phonetically because at my job, yeah, I wanted to say Papa Echo Tango. Well, you did the P instead of P-E-T-E. K-N-I-F. Yeah. Did I miss the E? No, it's just you oh, stopped at the T instead of... Because well, I wanted to say like echo. Right. I'm so used to doing <laughs> that at my job. So, well, Pete, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, I know we've kind of chatted about it for maybe a year now. And it's been a while. Life just hasn't synced up for both of us. But I think uh, you sound like you're in well spirits. And I'm glad you're getting so much artwork and stuff that, you know... You're happy with all that, and thank you for coming on. You really have been like one of my artistic heroes, and I'm really happy that you're like an awesome dude. I guess it's in, in, uh, as much in person or as close as we can be in person, being an ocean apart <laughs> as you are online, because we have many conversations online, and they're always well-received and stuff. So I, I just want to say I appreciate you. Thank you for creating the Blood Bowl world and the game that I enjoy playing because – I treat it like a sports role-playing game. And beyond that, I'm glad that over the years we've actually, I consider you a friend, even though I've never shook your hand. And hopefully one day I can travel to England and meet you in person. So thank you very much. And um, I guess that's as much, um, you know, hugging you as much as I can. <laughs> I was about to say something dirty, but I thought I'd just keep oh. keep. <laughs> Spare my pleasure. No, 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 no. Well, thanks, Scott and Steve. Uh, it's been an absolute joy. And uh, all the best with the rest of your podcast. Well, thank you very much. And as always, I've said it before, if it wasn't for your art, we probably wouldn't have the podcast. So oh, that, that, that's yes. definitely true. I mean, that was a huge influence. But thank you, Pete, and good luck on everything else. We look forward to many more issues of Spike Magazine. If you're a Blood Bowl fan and you're not buying those, you are a fool because they're so packed full of fluff and you get – you get new Pete Nifton art. You get, you know, stories and behind the scenes of the latest team. So support the game that you love and stop bitching about GW or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> get out there, support it. And um, I guess this wraps up this segment, right, Steve? Sounds good. All right. We'll be back after this break. Hey everyone, it's Steve. Just here to drop in real quick and remind you that we do have our shop, bothdown.com slash shop. Or go on Facebook and there's a shop now button that you can click and it'll take you right there. We've got past tournament dice and miscellaneous things that we made for the tournaments, including lanyards from Oklahoma Bowl or spiky cup cards. And we have a special going on right now since I did move into the... I guess Ginger Dome. We're offering free shipping to anyone in the U.S. if you order over $25, with the exception of t-shirts, using the promo code GINGERDOMEUS, all one word. 
And then if you're not in the U.S., you can get free shipping if you order $50 worth of stuff, again, except for t-shirts, by using just the promo code GINGERDOME. That's G-I-N-G-E-R-D-O-M-E. And in the U.S., you'd add the U.S. at the end. Now, also, Chaos Cup is coming up. We're happy to deliver anything there if you are going. It makes it a lot easier on us if you order beforehand. You can use the promo code CHAOSCUP, and that will let us know you're going to be picking it up and make sure that we don't charge you any shipping. So go ahead and go on there, check it out, see if there's anything you like, and support the podcast. This really does just pretty much go to paying the bills. Nothing too exciting, but it does need to get done, and having a new house kind of puts a kibosh on some of that stuff. So if you can help us out, that'd be really great. Again, free shipping over $25 in the U.S., except for t-shirts. Gingerdome US is the promo code. Free shipping over $50 except for t-shirts anywhere not in the US. Just Gingerdome. Free pickup at Chaos Cup for anyone using the promo code Chaos Cup. That expires 9-10 so that we have time to get it all packed up before we leave. The other ones you have until the end of October. And whether you purchase anything or not, we just want to let you know we do appreciate your support. We really do do this as, as a labor of love. Not trying to make any money. Just not trying to go broke. All right. How great was that interview? We go from the great to what I hope Steve's about <laughs> to tell me is great. We are now going to talk about, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, okay. Death Zone, the video game? Uh, it's on Steam. It is indeed Death Zone, the video game. It's not really turn by turn. It's like live action Blood Bowl-ish stuff, like real time, not taking turns. It's real time. Five players on five players. Right. It reminds me of the phone app, but with more control. Pretty much, yeah. And you basically choose a team that has a star player, and then it's that star player and four schlubs going down the field. Can you name your players? No. They're, are they named for you? Don't believe so. Oh. Um, okay. So you chase after a squig ball, and then you try to get that squig ball into the other opponent's thing. The field's not as big, I don't think. I'd have to look again, but I'm pretty sure it's not as big. The There are spells. Like, as you're running, you can do different kinds of spells, like a lightning okay. bolt, a bomb, or there's a charge spell, a smoke bomb, a couple other things. And, um, yeah. Okay, so um, I see where you, by hmm. your body language. Give me three great things about this game. Three great things about this game. Now, it is still in... Basically, beta. I okay, guess so it's, it's not pre order. It's not completely out. We do have a couple, you know, the contest coming up. So if you want a key to unlock it and get a free copy, we have some. Um, so the squig ball is really cool because it just runs around and you have to pick it up and then try to score. Okay. So that's really cool. Would that be something you would like alternate rules for for regular Blood Bowl? I just really close to the I don't know how you. Ball. Remember the scare ball that we had? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Kind of ran around. I don't know how you do that so much in a non-real-time game. Okay. I guess it would just be drop and scatter like we had. Okay. But I'd be fine. That animation's really cool. Um, <sighs> Two more things. Um, Are you being realistic here? Is it really no, not I'm, that great of you? It, graphics good? Uh, graphics are fine. Fine, okay. I think... Again, it's not completed, so probably get better. I, I just have to be honest, it's almost unplayable. <laughs> it is. 
<laughs> that's the third great thing? Um, no, that's not a great thing. I can't think of three great things. Okay. They're, they use... Okay, one great thing is they use the fluff, kind of, to show that star players are being sponsored by different people. Okay. So, let's say we've got our teams. I'll just go through the teams now. There's currently only six teams. Okay, that's fair. So, you've got the Zealots of Iron Jaw, sponsored by Bloodweiser. The Far Blast Ultras, sponsored by Spike Magazine. Are both those two dwarf teams? Yes. Okay. They're the newest teams, so we'll get, talk about their sponsors in a minute. The Apostles of Griff, sponsored by Bloodweiser. Fans of Zug, sponsored by McMurdy's. Cohort of Ripper, sponsored by Orchidus. And the Varog Hounds, sponsored by Spike Magazine. So we only have three races at this point. Orcs, humans, and dwarves. Orcs, humans, dwarves. Yeah, it is. Okay. Two of each. Now, the two new races, I don't know why they just copied the other sponsors. I don't know. The Bloodweiser and Bloodweiser, Spike Magazine, Spike Magazine. You can't spend five seconds to come up with a new one or find one. Right. Whatever. So here's the main issue with the game. You have to control five characters. There's no AI. So the AI for the computer is fine. It runs around. It does what it wants to do. You don't have any AI on your team. So you're so, saying if you don't keep clicking on the lineman to block he's not naturally just going to block the closest nope. guy they he do nothing without you telling them so you can switch players by hitting the numbers one two three four five okay and trying to figure that out is hard because it doesn't have numbers on top of them so you just kind of have to know and when they start moving around you get lost and you don't know who you did who's who so you can also click on them but when you do, you have to click and tell them to move, or click and tell them to block, click, tell them to pick up the ball, click and tell them to throw, click, 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 click. So that's decently understandable. Then the camera, and maybe this is an option that I didn't see or haven't implemented or it's something that's not there yet. The camera, you have to control yourself. So that's using the ASDW or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then your spells are Z, X, C, V, B. So you have to use, you need like four hands to play this game. <laughs> and probably so if another you're hand for strike, another mouse. Slarga four strike would be great in this. Yes. He, he might that's be a, one of the few people. That's a four-arm second edition star player, folks. Know your fluff. Yeah. Um, so with all that going on, if you played another human opponent, which I tried to find, there's like three people on the leaderboard, so I don't know <laughs> okay. if more than three people have gotten a game in. This is like Dungeon Bowl. Sadly, yes. But Dungeon Bowl's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. I found a way to... You can click and drag and select all your people at once. Okay. So then I can control five people at once and tell them all, go after the ball, all go after that guy or whatever. That makes it a little bit better. With that, I was able to score, and I was able to keep a guy from scoring one time. You won a game? I did win one game. Wow, good have, for you. Other than that, I've lost bad. What team did you take? What team? I think that was Zug. Yeah. Look at you winning some Death Zone. Um, it, It's just... I would like to like it. If, if this was like a Madden game where... 
your team had AI, but you could choose who to control when mm -hmm. you want, then it's fine because you have your team go after them. And let's say you only can control, you know, moving wise, the star player. Okay, cool. Then everybody else goes off and does their own thing. Now, you should be able to override the other people like, hey, this guy's got the ball. Go ahead and pick up whatever. Without that, it is just insane. I, I'm not even going to get into the specifics. Like, you know, you can team up and block extra people and knock mm -hmm. them down. And when you got knocked down, you don't get knocked out. You just have to wait a while to stand up. It's, I think, a five-minute game, something like that. And I could only get through a couple of games. Okay. You played it. You don't really care for it. You think if you played, forced yourself to play like 30 games, that you'd get better at it. I would have to, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. Am I, am I going to get to the point where I can win a game easily? No. Okay. I don't see that happening. You're just saying that you'd play 30 frustrating games because yeah. guys are walking past your guys because they're not doing anything. Yeah. And I can't tell who to select or which one. Now, I can. you should be able to see the models and know who is who, but without a number on top of them, when I try to select, I'm basically just blind hitting numbers and trying to get the guy. So it's a process of elimination until you get the one you want. Yeah. That could be possibly done better. Like well, the one through five is leftmost to right. left middle, middle, right middle, and then is right there, most. Is there a toggle button maybe that you're missing? Like in those Madden games, you know, you always hit B until you get to the player you want. Maybe, but that's okay. not really going to help any. That would be better than randomly picking. Well, I guess what I well, yeah, I don't want to poop a game, especially one that we're giving out free key codes for. I don't want to either, but I have to be honest. Well, I'm not saying don't yeah. be honest. No, no, no. I'm I don't just want saying. you to lie. I don't want to become one of those podcasts. Yeah. Not looking at anybody in particular. I don't even know where you'd be going with that, but okay. I'm not really looking at anybody <laughs> in particular. But if when you say it like, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Oh, that's true. People then go, is that us? Yeah. That guy's talking about us. Anyways. No, I don't. I want you to be honest. It's just like I really want Blood Bowl to continue to grow, and I would hope that this is good or at least decent, where enough people play it. Like I have fifteen minutes. Eh, screw it. I'll go play a game real quick. You know, I cannot imagine. Okay. Like I, I played the phone app a lot more than I would play this. That's fair enough. Well, um, at least it's AI would like. Yeah. You can tell people it would block somebody automatically. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe, maybe it might get better. It might get better. Yeah. And like I said, if it had AI to where I then could functionally click on a guy and tell it what to do, like, okay, well, they're going towards the ball. So I need this guy. He's already kind of going that way, but I'd rather him use a spell. So I'm going to click on him and then tell him to shoot the lightning bolt or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's, I guess, better. Okay. But I'm not positive. All right. Fair enough. I don't know. So, this is a cyanide game, right? Yeah. So. And I know people are upset. Like, why are you wasting time with this rather than, you know, make, you know, fixing the issues that are on Blood Bowl 2? Okay. Well, if, I don't know the company, but you would assume that this is probably other people making the game, not that same development team. Sure. If it is the same development team, I'm kind of with you. Just right. 
And I was looking fix back. Fix the other stuff and yeah. then dabble in this. So when is this supposed to be released to everybody? I don't know. I mean, it's out there now. You can buy it. <clears throat> oh, I thought you were saying it was beta. It is. You you basically pay for pre-release, I guess. Okay. So you pay. How much is it? It was 10 bucks. Okay. Is I it, actually Is it worth it. 10 bucks? No. Fuck no. Oh. No. I mean. <laughs> I don't know how much more I could spend this to try to get a, a positive comment I, out of it. I don't it. know what you want. I mean, honestly, there's, it's not a playable game. Okay. I bought it because it's Blood Bowl and it's for the podcast. And this is before I contacted them. I was like, hey, can I get some copies to hand out? And they're like, here, yeah, sure. I was like, oh, I should have done that first. <sighs> um, but I, I don't mind supporting them because I do want them to continue making Blood Bowl stuff. If you would like to support them and continue them making Blood Bowl stuff, you could buy it. Please, anyone else who plays this, please let me know what you think. If, if I'm completely missing something... I would gladly. Well, that's what know. I was about to say is if you're out there and you have tried this and maybe you gave it 30 more games than Steve has, and maybe you found a toggle button or you found some, well, you type played of... with someone else live and it's fine right? because it's, you're both at a disadvantage, but it, it's so hard when I'm trying my best and would barely you, able to score. If somebody else out there has it, would you be open to play them one night just to try it? Yeah, I could do that and report back. To this? Sure. Okay. So if you're out there, and you've bought Just this email game. Us. Email email us at uh, bothdownpodcast at gmail.com mm. and try to set up a time where Steve can play you. And I have keys to give away. So if you are what, what is the contest? Go ahead and tell them yeah, the contest since I've missed I'm out doing. on this one. Oh, so. I messed that up. No, it's just I was it's all in about the me. Yeah. So never, never mind. Very um, true. We'll be back with shout outs. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> contest. So if you would like a key and it's free. The full game, you're good to go. It may be horrible, but if you want to just see if I'm crazy or an idiot, or maybe you just like Blood Bowl and want to see, we are asking people, review us somewhere, anywhere. Go on iTunes, go on, I don't think we're on Spotify yet, trying to get that worked out. Go on Stitcher, go on Facebook, go on Board Game Geek, go wherever. Any place that you can put a review I would say write it on a bathroom wall, but don't really want you to deface property, and someone would do that. So someplace online, put a review, get a screen capture, send it to us, email it to us. And then if we get 100 people that do that, are we putting everybody in the name of the hat yeah. and then drawing for I'll it? randomize it. Okay. How uh, many key codes do you have? I have, so I have three, two I'll do random, and then one I will... Decide who has the best review or whatever. Okay. Some situation I'll give it to. So we need at I least had pe four. three people to participate. <laughs> I had four. I already gave one away to James when he gave the name for the dugout. Oh, okay. That's cool. Not going to call it the dugout, but, you know, it's there. Okay. That's fine. James. Oh, wait. You, you have a copy, so What's... contact Steve so you can play him a game. It is a dugout on the, on the side of the pitch, isn't it? Mm. I guess technically because it is dugout. I guess. I don't know. It depends what else how you would look you call at. it? The reserves? Yeah, your bench. I don't know. The bench. Sidelines? Yeah, I guess sidelines. Dugout works for both. I, I mean, mean it but truly, it's more of a baseball it, thing because. That's what I think of. Yeah. But it is dug out like that, and you go upstairs, so it does make sense. That's probably what he was going for. Yeah. No. We just never called it that before. No. Well, that's fine. But yeah, to. I think he's American, but to most Americans, a dugout is baseball. 
just how that is. Okay. So we have three copies left. So that means, please, we need at least three people participating. And it's free. Come on, man. If you've already done a review and you can't do another one, like, go ahead and do it somewhere else. If you've left us an yeah, iTunes review. Yeah, use your review, wife's account. Yeah, do that. Or, you know, leave a review on Facebook because I think you can review stuff on Facebook now. Or Board Game Geek has it. Whatever. I don't care. Just something cool. Sure. And really, even if this is an excuse, since the game doesn't seem to be so great, if you want, like I said, you can get the game. Then you can schedule time to make Steve suffer and play some more. <laughs> that so is I can true. keep teasing and talking to him about uh, it. So, all right. I really, really hope I'm missing something. So is this a D grade or an F grade? I would have to give it an F. Okay. I I could not justify the money being spent. I cannot justify the time being spent. Okay. And I've only played two games. No, I've only completed two games. And I have no desire to go back. I thought you played a bunch of games because they're short. I never got through them. <laughs> oh, I, okay. tried, I tried teams and I'd get part of the way through and I'd be down three to nothing. You'd like, or I can't something. Stand this and start over. I, I've tried. It's just okay. I got you. Well, it's not good. There you go for Death Zone, the computer game, folks. Get yours online for ten dollars or free from an interview or a review or whatever, and play Steve. And um, maybe you'll have something good to say about it. I hope so. But speaking of good stuff to talk about, let's go to shout out. All right, we'll be back with some shout outs. And with that, our 99th episode... Shoutouts! Gets a shout-out. Yeah. So, yeah. So, next episode's 100, right? Right. Should we do the Marvel thing of, like, renumbering it to, like, 100? Go from 83 to 100? I really want to, but then we have 17 episodes just sitting out. No, we're not going to do that. Because I don't don't like when comic companies do that, and, you know... It's still cool, though. It is cool. Right. And we did do 100 episodes. Right. They're just you know, number different. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't, we put out good quality. We don't have to rush to get to like 100 or 150, like maybe other shows who just throw out shows like four times a month. <laughs> or some shows who just put out four episodes a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, we kind of split the middle. Shout outs to the Anything But a One guys who reached episode 50. Yeah. Um, with Trumpkin and his crew over there in I don't England. think it's, uh, it's 12 men now. Oh, gosh. So what is he? who is he following? Donald Trump or Jesus and his 12 disciples? That, isn't that why he's called 12 men? He's like no. one of the disciples of Jesus. I was Jesus. thinking he was like um, the 12th man, but with elves. Oh, I always thought he was like, like the, a disciple of Jesus because he's a big religious guy now. I don't think so. I thought he went from crazy Donald Trump guy to crazy like religious seller those tend to be the same guy oh okay but is no, his face there's, still orange there's an elf in there so <laughs> his face I, still orange geez. he's uh, always gonna be trumpkin no one day i hope i see him at a tournament and be like dude trumpkin and give him a hug and he'll go like i hate your guts and i'll go dude i'm just playing with you no he'll still actively hate your guts <laughs> rightly so <laughs> shout out to those guys for turning 50 They've been around, what, three years? I do not know. They shell out some episodes. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, there's a new podcast called Boneheads out. Got mm-hmm. to listen to episode one. I listened to most of episode one before my computer died on me. It's not, interesting so far. Not died on me, but shut. We had a power surge. Oh, yeah. You remember how the old house is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where'd you get that here, too? When it was storming. No, it, mine wasn't in the storm. Oh. It was just randomly in the day. Nope. Okay. Not to my knowledge. Okay. Your house sucks. My house is awesome. <sighs> Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had James Brown write in. Presumably not the dead godfather of soul. Yeah. Don't think that's him. He wanted us to give a shout out to Jeffrey Gatlin. Wish him a speedy recovery and thank him for his military service. So, thank you, Jeffrey. He's been having some medical issues, but hopefully thank, he's getting better. And thank you for writing in, godfather of soul, James Brown. Very uh, awesome of him to do that from the beyond <laughs> the grave. <laughs> hey, you still have friends in the, the mortal world. Why not? Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. <laughs> um I think it's safe to say that me and Steve can both say thank you for Pete Nifton for finally coming on the show. Yeah. Just talking with us, hanging out with us. A great little interview. Truth be told, could have talked to that dude for four hours and not been enough. Oh, Um, yeah. No doubt. I mean, that doesn't include all the stuff we talked about behind the scenes (laughs) and after the podcast interview. So it was really wonderful to, like I said during the interview, it's really awesome to finally meet somebody you kind of like idolize from afar mm-hmm. or like you want to like respect them and then they're really cool people in person so and thank we've, you we've Pete, been for hinting about having him on for a while and just nothing ever seemed to work out and then right. everything else going on so it's great to get him on uh i personally want to shout out um drew bucciconi from three die block he went to gen con and three die block and oh and the world cup report there you go and <laughs> He went to Gen Con and he waited in line and got me a few things um, from a few booths there at Gen Con. And then later I had Michael Lewis do the same thing. <laughs> so a big shout out to Brownstone Michael Lewis for retrieving some stuff. So I, I could be one of those guys that said, my Gen Con haul, and I didn't even go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, anyways, thanks, guys. I appreciate you. And we had a shout-out for Biff, one of the commissioners of the Treasure Valley Blood Bowl League. Apparently, they all enjoy listening to the podcast. Treasure Valley? I want to be there. We have a Treasure Valley isn't, casino. Isn't Treasure Valley like a code for like yes. the little Tre- bit of hair that goes down to the It's the vagina? Treasure Trail. Oh, the Treasure Trail. You're yeah. right. Sorry. That's an old man thing. But we actually have a Treasure Valley casino about an hour away from us. Mm, I wonder if there's a Treasure Trail that leads to it. I think it's just I-35. Treasure Trail sounds so dirty. It really does. <laughs> Go get the treasure. Um, they they have an upcoming tournament called the Sapphire Cup in Boise, Idaho, September 15th at All About Games. Let's go. In Boise? I, I think I would if we love go, to do that. we'd have to go to the Rocky Mountain Rampage. But I want to... Two might be let's, upset if we don't go, go to, to his. all of them. So we're going to start a Patreon I remember as a where kid. everybody gives us about $100 each a month, <laughs> and then we will travel... 24 7 we'll, we'll eat dinner with you we'll do that we'll also go to every tournament that we can seriously i, I would love to go back to from a, as a kid my grandmother took me up that way and i remember i oh. liked idaho so i've like, never been that's what i'm saying like it'd be kind of cool to go yeah i want to get out to mark perry's tournament in vegas because i like going to vegas you just want to go see boobies and they're like booby shows out there did i already say this podcast on the story on the is podcast this the one with you and your dad yeah I think, but you can tell it again. Okay. So 
my dad and I went to Vegas. We got a free hotel room because we signed up to do that, you know, come look at the timeshare, which, you know, we just did for like an hour. But we got us a free hotel room. And part of that, we got tickets to the show. Mm-hmm. And when we were getting tickets to the show, they're like, hey, so do you want the 7 o'clock or do you want the 10 o'clock show? Well, what's the difference? Well, the 10 o'clock show is nude. Like, well, yeah, we want the 10 o'clock. <laughs> well, duh. Let's go. We go to the 10 o'clock show. No nudity. Dude. They all had pasties on and everything. It's like, what the? What, why? Why? Why get our hopes up? And there was a magician. It was like a magic show. Was he naked? No. He was oh. horrible. Like, I'm not a magician at all, but I could tell every trick that was coming. And then when he did his big, you know, I'm going to disappear. There was a box at the back of where we came in. Mm-hmm. So he disappeared. And I'm like, oh. Just turned around, looked at the box, and just saw him pop up from the box, and the spotlight went over there. I'm like, eh, whatever. That's because you were an old soul as a child, and you knew everything. Maybe. That's why you're so bitter. Well, that's probably a lot of truth to that. Who else you got on shout-outs, buddy? James Martin again. He did send the name for the podcast room that we mentioned last time. Nobody else did, which I don't blame you. But uh, he also mentioned he was one of many people to talk about the Dark Elf scales and how they're from the old ones and then he gave us how to say Drukai which other people said you say Druchi <laughs> and then other people said you say what was it Druchai we, we, we don't care anymore we're just going to say what we say so what are we going to say I'm saying Drukai Drukai I I had multiple people say that was correct I like I had, Druchi if but, you, but it sounds wrong everybody says it differently apparently yeah what's funny is is like we had like at least three people say this is for sure how you say it because mm-hmm. I heard a Warhammer guy say it exactly, and it's like okay, I believe all of you because why would you lie about it? Yeah, and we still don't know. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, this is how life works. I'm gonna call them Dark Elves. I'm, I'm going with that too. <laughs> Dark Elves is a lot easier. <laughs> and uh, then uh, I guess final one I have, Ashley Reed. And you can go look on Twitter at HobbyAsh182. He's the one who made that demo board. Did you see that picture? Which one? Okay, so he made a demo board that is nine squares wide, five squares long on each half. And then you still have the two wide zones. The line scrimmage is five. You use five players, and it's four turns. I guess I didn't see You didn't see, see this. this. Okay. Hold on a second. Oh, that okay. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I have seen this. This is for demoing, right? And yeah. showing new players. Yes, this is beautiful, actually. Yeah, it, he not only did a great job in making it, but just the concept-wise, like, we will get into the full-depth review of Blitz Bowl next time. Sure. I th- I think it, I'm hopeful for that game. It looks really interesting. It I looks like it could be fun. Too. I'm hoping... I I really actually hope that it, it's like something that at least sparks enough interest in me saying like, mm-hmm. maybe we should run a league of this, even if we don't do it, because that means I liked I it. I don't see, I don't know if it's a league worthy game. It could be. But if you were trying to get people to learn Blood Bowl, this demo board is amazing. This is beautiful. So I think might as well just grab some pictures and put it up on the website or I hey. think I've tweeted it out and you can go on. Facebook. You, can, you can put that. I'll put that in the show notes if you want me to. Okay. Or just a link to this. Sure. This is on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. 
But it's it's just a really great idea, and it looks awesome, and it looks like it'd be a great way to teach people. So, so I just wanted to give them a shout out. So neat. Yeah, I wish. I wish I either had the ability. Which maybe you I do. do. You do. I guess I wish I was more motivated like this guy. That's a bigger deal. To make a custom field like this. Yep. <laughs> I was really hoping when I had the new place, I'm like, oh, I have a lot of room and I can make a custom field and just leave it out. You know, I just field all the space. You know how like off the podcast I've been talking about playing Shadows of Brimstone mm-hmm. and I got into like, I'm going to paint all these models before I ever play. That way they're just ready to go. They'll have some paint on them. And I was cruising through them. Yeah. I finally, You're doing great. I finally stopped for just a second to take off for about a week. Yeah. I just now want to pay somebody to finish up the models. <laughs> I'm like like nine or 11 models away from just having everything I own, yeah. Shadows of Brimstone, painted, and I have no desire to do it. Oh, man. And I was cruising along great. It was the hardest thing. I know. It's so frustrating. Yeah. When you to, get in the to mood you people to who can paint all the time, man, hats off to you guys. I don't you know that anybody can. It's just like drawing. You and Pete both mentioned that, where you just run into times where you just get sick of it. Oh, right now? Everything's in an ebb and flow. Right now, I've been trying to just draw, like, independently, just, just to draw to have fun. Mm-hmm. I can't draw, I can't get anything on the paper. And I'm huh. dead serious. Like, I feel like I'm the worst artist ever. I feel like I can't draw anything. And yet, in about two months, hopefully, Death Path is going to be out. A board game, which I did artwork for. <laughs> and it's just crazy. Now, is this because you have the open field where you can draw anything and you just work better under limitations? Well, if you would have asked me the opposite, I would have told you years ago, I, it's the opposite. Like, I work better when I have the freedom to do whatever I don't think I want. that's true for anyone. Maybe not. I really think, like, you have to rein in the creativity when you have too many options. You, It's like, you know, you go on Netflix and you spend an hour looking for something to watch. I don't ever do that. Well, a lot of people do. Just saying, or you go on YouTube and you're just like, ah, there's nothing to look at or the internet. When you have so many options, you don't want to do any of them. When you had two options of, you know, decent stuff to watch on TV, you left at the opportunity to watch something good. <laughs> you're probably right. You schedule your week around like, oh, this is this really good movie I'm going to watch on Sunday. So <laughs> I, I got to catch sure. Night Court. It's only on at 8.30. Absolutely. Every Thursday. You, you might really be right. Speaking of TV. Yes. And I know we're taking this long. So we're going to do a, a reboot of Night Court? Yes. And I'd like you. Can I be I, Bull? I'll be <laughs> Wow, I was really going to say Bull for you. Okay. That's kind of funny. But you got to shave your beard and head. Okay. Wow. That's about the only To be time. Bull, I would. <laughs> Are you a Bull, Steve? Apparently. <laughs> uh, go ahead and Urban Dictionary that, folks. No. Because <laughs> Steve's not. a Bull. Well, it's coming not to, an insult. So. He's coming to your town. <laughs> it's not really an insult. What a great gimmick to get. <laughs> um, what was I even talking TV. TV. I, so recently I started in my free time playing a little bit of Dragon Ball Super card game. Because, yeah. once again, I have to sample every game out there. Because how do I know if I like it or not? Sure. Which kind of has me back interested in Dragon Ball. Which I'd never really watched a ton of before. Mm-hmm. And I'd still say it's not great. I just love the concept of these characters, like a like a role playing adventure, starting at one point in their life as children and growing up to being grandfathers, you yeah. know, and all this legacy behind them. Anyways, I've been watching Dragon Ball Super, and I've made it through like thirty episodes, believe it or not, Steve, and I'm still watching them. That's crazy. 
Like, I've actually went out and purchased the DVD collection slowly as I watch one, then I go buy the other. Now, and I'm on volume three. Believe is it or this not. the actual Japanese version, or is this the one that they cut down? Or is that did that not happen to Super? I don't know what Super is. So Super is the adventures after Dragon Ball Z. Okay. So after Dragon Ball Z, some other studio, from what I understand, took it over and they did um, Dragon Ball GT. Mm-hmm. And that was when Goku turned back into a child through the Dragon Balls. So and now they're acting like that was never in canon. Okay. So this is the adventures right after the Dragon Ball Z stuff. Okay, so more and than likely this is not... Because I heard a lot of the problems with Dragon Ball when you watch it in America is they took the Japanese ones and cut them up bad and tried From to stretch them out and everything. They tried to stretch these out. So what I understand, Dragon Ball Super is, so after Dragon Ball Z ended, and I guess like last 10 years or maybe even longer since we don't get them mm-hmm. for a while, they came out with Dragon Ball Z movies. And one was like Battle of the Gods, and then one was the Frieza saga as he returns. So the first two disc sets are really those movies expanded. So they're, they took those huh. two-hour movies, and they expanded them even more into like 13 episodes. So they are stretched too. Okay. And then they go on to their own free adventures where I'm finally at. Um, it's, it's so goofy, dude. It is so goofy. Hmm. And yet... I keep watching it, and just, I feel weird. Yeah, that happened. But I'm ready just to assemble a crew of people, though, and search out some Dragon Balls so we can get some witches. wishes. That would be that's awesome. that's what they do. All they want to do is fight people. Yeah. That's all they want to do. That's life. You always got to fight somebody. <laughs> I was going to make another point, but now I can't remember what my point was. I got nothing for you. I don't. I don't really either. Jennifer's watching these with me and just she gives me this look of like you're watching this and then later I'll catch her watching it but I don't think these are as cut as the American ones because there's a character in there that they called Hercule Hercule who was like this martial arts guy who's always like lying and stuff to get street cred Mm -hmm. and his real name in the Japanese version was Mr. Satan and they call him Mr. Satan in this. Hmm. And he's a good guy. Mr. Satan. Mr. Satan. Thanks for saving us, Mr. Satan. It's a good name. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, this had nothing to do with anything? Not one iota of Blood Bowl. Okay. But now you know what we've been doing in our free time again. Yeah. So. I guess we'll go ahead and end this. And like I said, we will have another episode shortly with talking about Blitz Bowl, talking about... So this one is going to be kind of a few days late for our kind of like soft date of around the middle of the month. Right. But that means the next episode is going to be a little bit early. Right. It all evens out. And then we'll probably do it like we always do, a Chaos Cup special. Mm-hmm. And we'll all be back on schedule and stuff now that life is Maybe. settling even more down for us. Yep. Thank God, finally. <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for Pete Nifton. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thanks to Steve for doing all this hard work. And what else, Steve? You want to thank anybody? Like, Shout out to the submarines. Submarines. Uh, maybe anybody else? I'm sure we. I did this many, maybe, many years ago. Maybe some, The old DB shout outs. Maybe somebody that you podcast with? Shout out to Scott. 
Oh, yeah. I should have said Drew. I know you should have. I set you up. I, you did. As soon as I spit that out, I was like, that's backfiring. He's going to say Drew, and you, uh, you didn't catch it. Boom. That's what I get for being too nice. <laughs> we'll see you. You can follow Both Down on Twitter at Both Down. You can follow Scott at Fat Finley, F-A-T-F-I-N-L-E-Y, and Steve at Kilowog2814. If you want to know if your team name is both down approved, send a tweet to at BD approved. If you'd like to email them, the email address is bothdownpodcasts at gmail.com. Or for more information, you can visit them at bothdown.com or at facebook.com forward slash bothdown.